Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. All right, so as you're probably aware, we are in the series called shining through exactly you know and hopefully we are shining through you know we've been talking a lot about what the church is and what the church should be and how we should be the church and what Jesus started and all of these amazing things that have dealt with the genesis of Ecclesia right and I hope it's been interesting to you I hope you've dived in and you've got something from it because it's not about just coming to church right that's just boring because what's the point of just coming here and then going home without actually absorbing and having transformation in your life that's where the power comes from it's you know Jesus said this it's not just hearing my words but it's in the doing that our lives change so we can't just be receptacles but we have to be conduits there's a difference between being a receptacle. For example, your trash can or garbage can is a receptacle. You just throw stuff in it, and then it's just disposed of. But a conduit is like you know your tap in your toilet or your bathroom. You turn it on, and water flows through. And if the water stays in one place for a long time, guess what's going to happen to that water? It's going to smell. It's going to be bad. But if it flows, there's a healthiness attached to it, right? So we are supposed to be conduits for God's blessing. We're supposed to be conduits for God's message. We're supposed to be conduits for what God is doing in our lives, in our community, and in the world. Amen? Amen. And that's why we're called transformers, because transformer means changing something for the better. Amen? Amen. All right, so, you know, I love this series because there's so much more to say. Then that's already been said, and I wish we could continue more, but we'll leave it here for now because this is the final episode. So I know you're disappointed, I'm disappointed too, but we'll come back to it at some point in the future, right? So let's get started this morning, all right? So if you're watching online, welcome. You're so glad that you're watching with us. Leave us a comment and let us know what you think as well. And for those of you in the house, you shout amen or whatever it is if you agree, amen? All right, so. Last episode, Shining Through, here's the title. I think you'll find it interesting. It's called Bacon and Eggs. <laughs> All right? Now, you might not get what that means at the start, but we'll get there. If you're listening closely, you'll get it in the end. All right. Let me start with this. Imagine that you got an invitation. Someone sent you a message or you got a paper invitation. You got a text message from someone saying, hey, We want you to come over to our house. We have a special celebration, and we're going to celebrate, you know, this this amazing group of people because they are veterans. We honor them. You know, they sacrificed. They've gone off and, and defended our country. They've gone off to war, and so we want to take some time to celebrate them, and we want you to come and join us in this celebration because, you know, brave men and women stood up when our country was under threat, They went out, some of them lost their lives, you know, some of them came back, maybe losing a limb, and we just want to honor them. And we do that every year, don't we? We call it Anzac Day. And so, say you got this invitation and someone said, we really want to honor this group of people. And so, 
you know, you're excited because you love your country, right? We love Australia. You love Australia. Amen. So we all love Australia. So you're like, you're excited. You take your family and you show up to the address that you've been invited to. Maybe it's a friend of yours or maybe it's someone you just met or an acquaintance. But when you show up to the door, there's someone at the door and they go, hold on a second. Before you can go in, we just need to check something. And they go, well... You know what? The reality is that we are having a celebration. We are going to have a great time. But you're just not the right skin color to get in. Maybe it's not, you're not the right background. You know, we want you to match what our hosts look like. And you don't match. You just don't look the same. You don't have the same background. So I'm so sorry, but you have to leave. You're not allowed in. How would you feel? Unsettled, angry, upset, confused, belittled, felt like you're being treated a little bit racially, definitely prejudicial, right? What would you, if you were told that you just can't be part of this gathering? What would that really feel like? The reality is that right through history, there have been exclusive clubs and organizations that have made certain people welcome and certain other types of people not welcome. And this has happened right through history, you know, based on people's skin color, based on their education, based on their gender, based on what they look like. There have been, you know, all kinds of organizations right through history. And maybe the genesis of it didn't start in that way. But, you know, you have men's clubs and you have women's clubs and you have, you know, whatever different things. And some of them have been really bad for society. Some of them might have started off, as I said, to have good intention. But ultimately what's happened is that certain people that are allowed in feel empowered, while the rest of them that are not allowed in feel rejected and less of human beings, excluding them to their detriment. That's what it's been. Well, the reality is even in our world today, there are certain places that do exist that have a selection criteria. For example, you need to wear something in order to get in. I remember, for example, we went on a cruise, right? My family and I a few years ago, and so at one night on the cruise, they had a formal evening, which means that you had to wear formal attire or otherwise you were not allowed in, right? So you had to wear a suit and tie. And so we wore a suit and tie and we went in and we had a great time. But as I was looking around, I noticed a guy in a t-shirt and shorts and I was like, that's great. They didn't stop him from coming in just because he didn't have the right attire, you know? Maybe they wanted to have good customer service or whatever. But the reality is that they said, you need to look this way in order to get in. And so it might be for good means, you know, you go out to a, a soiree or a special occasion, they want you to look good. So, but whatever the case is, sometimes we are based on what we look like, whether we're allowed in, whether it's the right way, whatever it may be. The reality is that what we're talking about is the church of Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus came to show the world that the church of Jesus Christ does not have any selection criteria. That he welcomes everyone and anyone, no matter where they are, to come in. 
anyone and everyone is welcome to be part of the movement that Jesus started. Because Jesus didn't create the church to be exclusive, but inclusive. Right? The church that Jesus started was to bring everyone back home. And that's what we've been talking about in the last four weeks. You know, we started talking about what the church is. The church is for everyone. We talked a little bit about what Jesus started that was vastly different from what the religious traditions are from the day. And then we talked about what gathering that Jesus actually instituted and what it actually means. Again, Today I want to take you back to the genesis of the church. And we've been talking a little bit about church history. And I said right at the start of the series, for most of us, we're very church illiterate. Because we don't have a broader understanding of how the church grew and became what it is today. We know a little bit about God. We know a little bit about things. But sometimes our church history is not as significant as other things in our world. But today I want to rewind the clock and, and take you back you know, to that time where the church began. It was an exciting time. It was an exciting movement. This brand new thing that Jesus introduced was taking the world by storm because it was vastly different from every other religious system that had been instituted in the world. This was something brand new because it was not about a place or a location. It was about a movement and about a love for people that was vastly different. Before it was all about come here and do this. But Jesus was not about that. Jesus was about be something so you can help others and transform the world. And so many people were enthralled and excited and jumped on board of this brand new movement. But early in the church's existence, the first century church faced the same issue and problem that I was talking to you about today. They faced the question of who should be allowed in. Who can be part of this brand new movement? It's not a new issue. It has always been there. And the reality is this. 100% of Jesus' disciples were Jewish. Right? They were all Jewish men. They grew up in the Jewish religion. They were taught about the significance of their traditions, their culture. From a young age, they were taught, you know, we are God's chosen people. We are special. We are not supposed to mingle. We're not supposed to associate. We're not supposed to touch. We're not supposed to talk. We don't even want to marry into anyone else because we are it. And so no one else can come into this because we have our own club. They were taught that from a young age. And so when you look at it, even in the Jewish temple, only Jews were allowed in. No one else was allowed to come in. In the inner court, it was all about the Jewish people. And when other people showed up, that's what happened. I'm sorry, you don't look like us. Sorry, you can't come in. You just need to go. Even, even when people became God-fearers, and those were people that were called people that actually came to believe in Jehovah, they weren't called Jews, they were just called God-fearers. Even though you believed in everything the Jews had, even though you believed in the same God, you were still not allowed into the inner court because of the temple, because you were not born a Jew. So there's no way for you to actually come in unless you were born one. 
And so these Jewish people lived in this environment. And so when the early church began to take shape, there was this tension that began to exist in the early church because originally they believed that the Jesus movement was just about Jewish people. Because guess what? Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And so they just believed that this is just a natural progression of everything that God had declared. There's not something different. It was just a moving ahead. It was just a progress. And so the early church had to decide now with this massive tension and situation that was going on. And we have this documented in the books of Acts, in Acts chapter 15. You see, the early church, they understood that tension that exists, the pull and the push between their Jewish heritage and the brand new thing that Jesus introduced. And it will shock you. This is what's amazing. We don't see it with the same sense. It's going to shock you the lengths that the early church went to in order to make sure they remain true to Jesus' original call. I'm sure you're curious. See, they were comfortable with a bit of ambiguity and inconsistency, which means we should be as well. And I want to show you this through the eyes of the early church. So here is this big debate. You ready? You sure? There was great discussion on specifically what is required for salvation and thus involvement in the church. And now I want to make an important point. Jesus' original followers, as I said before, didn't consider themselves to be converts to something new. They believed that this was just a fulfillment that had already been promised through Abraham and Jeremiah, we talked about last week. And just becoming a follower of Jesus was just the next logical step in what God had planned for them. The trouble, however, began when Gentiles heard the apostles talking about this Jesus and became followers of Jesus. And they returned to their respective regions and tribes all across the country and and different lands, and they spread the message of Jesus, and Gentile believers started to follow Jesus. Right? And many of the Jewish Christ followers were not ready for that. Jesus was their Messiah. Right? Not to be shared with, Not to be given away, not to be talked about with other people. Remember how they grew up about their traditions, their view, their idea. And many would not allow Gentiles to come in when they showed up. When the Gentiles arrived, they'd be like, sorry, you're not part of us, you can't come in. How did that make you feel when I said that earlier? How did it make them feel when they showed up? If that's not even confusing enough, a few of Jesus' original apostles became intentional in their message, carrying it to Gentile believers and evangelism to Gentiles. They traveled predominantly to Gentile nations, to Gentile areas, and began to spread the news of Jesus Christ. 
So you had these new gatherings pop up. You had Jewish gatherings that were predominantly Jewish followers of Jesus. And then you had Gentile believers gathering together that were predominantly Gentiles because one wouldn't allow the other to come in. And Jews would never find themselves in a Gentile gathering because they would be unclean. And so you had this parallel thing of Jews and Gentiles together but separate. Following Jesus. While the Jewish believers did not consider themselves to be converts, the Gentile believers did because in their minds, they're leaving their pagan beliefs to follow Jesus. You following me? So here is the problem for those Jewish believers. And this is what their, their situation was. Who can be part of this? How could someone become a follower of a Jewish Messiah without becoming or converting to Judaism first? How could you follow a Jewish Messiah without first becoming Jewish? That was a problem. That's what they believe. How could that happen? Great question. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Right? First century Jewish Jesus followers felt very uneasy about the sudden influx of non-Jewish outsiders. Actually, it was worse than feeling uneasy. They were offended. Why? Because here's the thing. Gentile believers abandoned their pagan beliefs, but not their behaviors. Gentile believers brought their Gentile habits and customs and, and values right along with them. And many of these practices were considered sacrilegious, especially their eating habits. This is why you don't mind a bit of bacon with your eggs. (laughs) But a Jewish person would never sit down to a meal with you because it would offend them. Because you had bacon with your eggs. Maybe they don't go together. They don't, like, where do you get this mix from? But in our mind, it's perfectly reasonable. That's why you don't mind a bit of ham on your pizza. Because, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, all of us here are Gentiles. We're not Jewish. We're Gentile believers. So how did we get to be part of Jesus' movement? Right? How do we get to eat bacon and eggs? To make matters even worse, early Jewish Christ followers met in synagogues. There was no separate gathering as we have today. They met in synagogues. And suddenly a handful of Gentiles showed up wanting to participate in their gathering. And they were like, sorry, you can't. You don't look like us. You don't have the right background. So sorry, you have to leave. They knew nothing about the Sabbath. They knew nothing about ceremonial cleansing or any of traditions that made up great Jewish history. You can't just show up and be part of us. You have to know all about our history. You have to know all about our laws. You have to know all about what happens, how you do this and how you do that. It was messy. Right? So many Jewish Christ followers began to become very vocal in their view to these Gentiles. They said, you have to become Jewish 
first. You can't just skip the line and go to the front. You have to go through the process. You have to go through the line. You have to become a Jew and then you have to become a Christ follower. It's no big deal if you're a woman or a girl, right? But if you are a man, there's a bit of sacrifice involved. You're going to have to have something cut off. It required surgery. <laughs> so new believers classes were filled with women and girls, but the men and the boys, they waited in the car. Because, you know, something called circumcision is required to be a Jew. It wasn't that easy. And so this issue comes to the early church. And so what happens is there's something called the Jerusalem Council. And these are made up with apostles and, you know, the early church leaders. James was the head of this thing. Peter was not. And so devout Jews who had begun to follow Jesus were adamant in their stance. They're like, no, you just can't be a follower of Jesus until you become a Jew first. And so this gets to a head in Acts chapter 15. It's amazing when you actually read it. And this is what they said in verse 1 of Acts 15. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. No. You can't come in. No, you can't be part. No, you're not allowed unless you go through what Moses declared first. Bottom line, just not allowed. Unless you do it through the whole thing. To make a long story short, this was just the beginning of their request. In fact, what they were actually saying is that you need to learn the Jewish law. You need to learn our lifestyle. You need to go through all the ceremonies and customs and practices and learn all of this history and all of these traditions and practices. And then you become a follower of Jesus. But the problem was this could take a lifetime. It certainly took them a lifetime to learn it. How could they put this on someone that had no idea or didn't grow up to be what anything with Jewish traditions? But that's what they said. No, you can't just come through. You have to be a Jew first. This rose into a big dispute and it all came head to head in Antioch. If you remember anything about Antioch, this is where the people of the way got their more permanent name, Christian. That's a story for another time and it's a fascinating one just as much. But hundreds and thousands of people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ because through Paul, the great apostle Paul and Barnabas, they were having revival. Things were going amazing in Antioch because it was a Gentile place and a lot of people were coming in. But the dispute rose. And so the question was, can these Gentiles be part of the gathering? Can these Gentiles be part of the Jesus movement? Are they allowed in? Is it open for everyone? Or is it just for certain people? And so Paul and Barnabas traveled to Jerusalem to meet with this Jewish council, the Jerusalem council. And this was made up, as I said, of early church leaders. James was the head of this. So Paul presented the argument that Gentiles do not need to convert to Judaism to be a Christ follower. They could go directly to Jesus. They don't have to go through Judaism, which caused a big kerfuffle. 
Because I'm like, how? <laughs> what? But he's Jewish. He's a Jew. Jesus is a Jew. What do you mean they can just go skip the line? We've been doing this for years. And they just walk in and skip the line? No, 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 no. You can't do that. And so this is the dispute in the early church. Right? This is what's happening. And Paul, of course, is this passionate follower of Jesus. He's a Jew. He says he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He has followed the law. He's taught the law. He's studied the law. He instructs other people in the law. But here he's saying, no, you don't have to go through Judaism to be a Jesus follower. Later, if you read Galatians, he writes this massive letter, so profound and interesting, talking about, you know, there's no longer Jew and Gentile. There's no longer bond and free. There's no longer woman. We are all one in Jesus Christ. He was doing the same. He was talking about, I want to pull down this division, this wall that divides those believers and these believers, because the reality is that we all believe in Jesus. And Jesus is the unifying factor. And if we all come under the banner of Jesus, he accepts everyone and welcomes them home. And this is exactly what Jesus did, didn't he? When he died on the cross, he ripped that veil down the middle to say, it's not longer for them and us, it's for everyone. Everyone can come home. Everyone can be part of this. There's no longer a wall of division. That's exactly what Paul is presenting. They should have got it by now, but they didn't. They were so caught up in tradition. Tradition became more important to them than the message of Christ. How important has it become in the church today? Tradition becomes sometimes more important and more relevant and more talked about and more preached about than the words of Jesus. And so he writes this great dissertation. So Paul tells the council in Jerusalem the same thing. And it's debated hotly. As I said, it's fascinating. Read Acts chapter 14 and 15. Finally, Peter stands up and addresses the group. Remember, by this time, Peter has had his own rooftop experience where God has spoken to him and Jesus directs him directly into greater understanding. And so he stands up and this is what he says. And it's so profound. Acts chapter 15, verse 7 and 9. This is what he says. After much discussion in the council where Paul and Barnabas presented their point of view, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, he says, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God knows the heart. Showed them, he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. And here's the kicker. He did not discriminate between us and them. For he purified their hearts by faith. This is what Peter says. God does not discriminate. He's never discriminated. How do we know that? Because he gave the same Holy Spirit he gave us that we got on the day of Pentecost to them. It's not a different Holy Spirit. It's the very same Holy Spirit. So what God has chosen, how can man push away? Who are we to say they aren't allowed? 
Who are we to say that they shouldn't be part of the gathering? Because God chose them. God poured out his spirit on them just as he poured it out on us. Wise words, right? There's absolute silence now. All eyes are on Peter. But Peter doesn't stop there. He continues. If that first statement was the jab and the cross, here comes the knockout blow. What he says next takes them to a new place. Verse 10 and 11, he says this. Now, listen carefully. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Translated, my beloved Jewish friends, who are you kidding? We don't even know how we can keep the law. We struggle with keeping the law ourselves. Why burden those who don't know anything about it? They believed, and who are we to deny God's move in their life? That's what he's essentially saying. What can you say after that? <laughs> can you stand against God? <laughs> Peter is so profound at this point. Remember, he was just an uneducated fisherman. It's God moving in him. God speaking through him. Saying, my church is for everyone. So amazing, so powerful. I don't know if you get the gravity of what Peter said. He's essentially saying God did not put borders on his grace. It doesn't have an, a line that says it goes up to Jewish land and it stops here and then everyone else is not welcome. You and I, we're not welcome because the color of our skin, because of our ancestry, because of our background, because of our history, we weren't allowed in to Jewish ancestry. But because of Jesus, Jesus made a way. Jesus opened the door and Jesus said it's for everyone. And these early church leaders struggled with this tension between Jewish and Gentile believers. But Peter stands up and speaks a word that's so profound and transformative that it reverberates into our world today. It is his word. He is inviting everyone in. At this point, the church is throwing its doors open wide and deep and saying everyone is welcome home. So ask yourself a question. Do you have the right to choose who becomes part of the church? If God invites them in just as he invited you in, can you decide who is able to come in and who is not? If God chooses them, who are you to tell him no? Peter sat down after this. And now... All eyes turn to James. <laughs> because James is the most influential leader at that time. James is the head of the council in Jerusalem. Not Peter, James. James is the brother of Jesus. I believe there's silence because now we're all waiting for judgment to come because James gets to decide if what Peter said is right or is he going to dispute because they were just in dispute. James would have the final say. 
And so everyone waited with bated breath. There was silence for a moment. And James, I'm sure, was contemplating and praying. And then he stands up. And after quoting the prophet Amos for a few verses in the text, he concluded with this. And I love this. It brings me to tears. My heart was overwhelmed as I prepared this and I read the scripture before. My heart just breaks. Even as I read it now, it breaks because it's so amazing. Here's what he says in Acts 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not stand in the way. We should not make it difficult. We should not make it hurdles. We should not put walls up to stop people from coming to God. You feel the passion. He says you can't stop people because that's what the Pharisees did. Jesus said, you stand at the door and you don't go in and you don't allow others to come in. I love that. Instead of being exclusive, he throws the doors of the church wide open. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. Let's not make it hard. Let's not put high standards in place that people have to jump through hoops and do all kind of backflips and practices and traditions and things just to come to God. Let's make it easy. It's so amazing. I believe James' statement should be the benchmark for which all decisions are made in the local church. Let's not make it hard for those who are turning to God. Peter and James understood our penchant for traditions. And even now, even in today's world, even in our culture all around the world, Sometimes there's such a high list of requirements before you can come and be part of church. It becomes so exclusive. See, the early church leaders acknowledged this new thing from God and the new thing that Jesus was doing among the Gentiles. And they had to make room, room in their minds, room in their hearts, and room in the movement that Jesus created, the ecclesia of God. It's for everyone. But how far they went and how far they adjusted, as I said before, is staggering. At stake was not just circumcision, but over 600 commandments plus added commentary. That's what was required to be a Jew. What the council ultimately decided, this was what was required to be part of the church. That's it. They sat down, they discussed, and they wrote a letter, they put it in ink and paper and they sent it out. It's a few words, but here's the gist of it. In verse 28 and 29, he says, this is it. This is all that's required, according to what we understand. And they say this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And this is it. Here we go. You ready? You abstain from food sacrificed to idols from blood, from meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Fair 
well. Done. Closed. Finished. Sorted. That's it. Do you follow that? The council reduced 600 requirements and commentary down to two things. Be careful what you eat. And live, don't live immorally sexual lives. Which means, eat healthy for your body. Don't eat something that offends someone else. And don't be sleeping around. If you're not married, don't have sex. If you're married, have sex with only your partner. And that's it. That's it. Nothing else. This is what you required, he said. It'll be wise if you do these things. Isn't that profound? I don't think you understand. We're sitting here directly because of Peter and James' statement. We're here now because of what they said then. Because they allowed, so to speak, the movement that Jesus initiated to have its true essence and flow through them and into the world. What does it mean for the church? What does that mean for you and I? Does that mean that we have our life before we have to have our lives together before we can come to church? Does that mean we have to look a certain way and act a certain way and speak a certain way and dress a certain way before we can come and be part of Jesus? No, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. Does it mean it's based on the color of our skin, our background, our religious history, our lifestyle? No, none of that. Everyone can come in because here's the truth. Oftentimes we expect transformation outside and then come to Jesus. But Jesus is not that way. He says, come as you are and I will give you transformation in here. That's what it's about. He doesn't expect you to clean up your act and then come to him. He says, come to him messed up as you are, broken as you are, scarred as you are, heavy burdened as you are. Come home and I will give you rest. I will make it well. And so the church is not filled with perfect people. The church is filled with imperfect people. But we have a perfect God. None of it. And if you know anything about church and anything about church history, there's this invisible force that seems to constantly come back and force us in the direction of graceless religion and legalism. It shows up in every generation with a variety of labels, styles, and faces, we drift towards churchy, gracelessness, lifeless church that makes what you do more important than who you are. It disguises itself as orthodoxy, holiness, morality, you know, conservatism, and many other things. But when it's all said and done, the message is clear. It says the same thing. That church is only for church people. That's what it says. And it's a shame that so many churches are married to a model designed to please church people. It's a church designed by Christians for Christians. That's what it is. Because everything we do is about it. We protect it. We use our own church terms and own church language. 
And when people come in, they don't understand, they don't feel part. We greet each other in our little secret handshakes that other people feel left out. We talk about the Great Commission, we sing songs about the Great Commission, but we refuse to recognize that everything we do is not about the Great Commission. We talk about grace, we sing about how amazing it is, but we create environments that are graceless to only those who follow the rules and look and act like us. Only they can participate. We speak Christianese, right? We speak churchy. We say, oh brother, how art thou? Or we go, oh sister, I hope you uh, had an anointed week and the Lord was with you. Someone standing next to you who just walked in, they have no idea what the heck you're talking about. And it just makes them feel like they're not part of it. Is that how you talk at work? Is that how you talk at school? Is that how you talk when you're in the bus or the train? Here's the kicker. Is that how you talk in your house? When your wife opens a door and walks and you run up and go, Oh, sister, I pray that you had a blessed day. <laughs> Would thou enter in and have a seat? Because I've prepared a, a hearty meal for you. Is that how you talk to your wife? Do you talk to your wife? Oh, brother. Oh, sister. You don't talk like that. But why do you do it here? Who are you pleasing? Is it God or other Christians? Who are you doing it for? It's not for God. It's to please yourself. It's to please other people. Because you don't talk like this anywhere else. Not even in your own home. Not to your kids. Not to your husband. Not to your wife. But when you walk through the doors, it's like, oh, I'm holy now. (laughs) So, brother, oh, sister. Let's be real, people. Let's be real. Let's be the church. Here's the truth. We are privileged to be stewards of the church of our generation. God has seen fit to bless us with the responsibility to ensure that the 21st century church is a place where all kinds of people with all kinds of stuff gather in Jesus' name and find restoration, acceptance, and grace. God's church has always been gloriously messy because it's filled with messy people. (laughs) We don't have it all together. Whether you put on a mask as you walk in that door, you're not fooling anyone but yourself because God sees your mess. We all have a mess. I have a mess right now. You have a mess right now. We're not perfect. Let's stop pretending that we are. And let's be real. So when people come in and go, you know what? I want to be part of you like, that's okay because I'm still a mess and I'm still learning. Come be part of us. Let's be messy together. (laughs) They don't have to have it all figured out. They don't have to have it all perfect. They don't have to have it. All of our lives are a mess. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we come to him. That's why his grace is important. Because we are not perfect. 
And we need his grace every moment of every day. So let's bring others on the journey. And let's stop pretending to be something that we're not. Because all of us have a mess. But we have a God who is enthralled and in love with this mess and that mess. And he loves us unconditionally. And he wants us to come in so he can transform us into a great glorious mess. And that, friends and family, is the church of Jesus Christ. So let's welcome everyone home. For there's love and there's grace for everyone in Jesus' name. He is love. So I want each of you to understand this. Because as we've been talking for more than a month now, there's so much more to say, to be honest. But we'll leave it for another time. But understand this. This is for all of us together. This is our joint responsibility. Together, all of us have to do this. It's not just one person or two people, because all of us are part of the church. And whether we have different roles and responsibilities is irrelevant, because we are still the church. So let's rid the church of anything that makes it difficult for those who are turning to God. Are you with me? Let's proclaim God's liberating truth. Let's create communities characterized by grace and not by judgment. Let's be comfortable with the tension. And yes, there's going to be inconsistency there. Because it was at the beginning. And it's always going to be part. Because sometimes there is inconsistency in grace. Because God forgives grace. That's what grace means. Giving love and forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. And let messiness sometimes happen. Let's start trying to make a perfect place for imperfect people. Don't leave perfect places when we get to be with God. The church is not perfect, as I said, but we follow a perfect God. Are you ready to be the church? Are you ready to be what Jesus asked us to be? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.